Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now... Here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Saints of God, the title of the message this morning is A Successful Father. We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 6. Yes, Genesis chapter 6. Yeah, the giant's one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Starting at verse number one, the word of the Lord says, Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, that's Beneha Elohim, sons of God, saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. That's for those that think they're a little more than flesh, that they think they're little gods on earth. We have a world full of people calling themselves I am and all kinds of nonsense. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants, in some versions it says Nephilim. There were giants, Nephilim, on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That means when they woke up, when they had lunch, when they had dinner, when they went to sleep, when they woke up the next day, same thing. Evil continually every single day. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Do not grieve the Lord, man of God. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Hallelujah. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, 
Noah walked with God. Amen. Saints of God, you may take your seats this morning. This Father's Day 2022, we're going to speak about a great father in the Word of God. And by now you know who we're talking about. That is Father Noah. Praise God. One of Noah's greatest accomplishments was not building the ark. I mean, we're not going to go down that path today. That was not his greatest achievement. But inspiring his entire family of faith in God. Not only was Noah a great father to his own family, but Noah is a father to everyone on this earth. Glory to God because of his obedience and faith in God. To all of us who are alive and living here right now, we can thank Noah and trust in God, hallelujah, and have active faith in the things of God. Noah had to raise his family in one of the most difficult, evil, and wicked times on planet earth. It was a time of great wickedness and daily evil thinking. You've got to understand what that means. Every single day, morning, noon, night, waking up, going to sleep. They probably even thought evil in their dreams. I mean, everything. Every moment was consumed with wickedness. And there is a reason for that. But people would just think about doing evil, mugging people, harming people, sexually abusing people, hurting people, destroying families, being offended with each other. It was nonstop. The Bible said in verse 5, every intent of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. It was an age of corruption. It was an age of violence. It was an age of depravity on earth. Verse 11 says, the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Now, as we read, I'm going to go into this just briefly. But it's important that you understand why it was so evil, why it was so wicked. Uh, this is the time when giants ruled the earth. A lot of pastors won't even touch this subject, but I'm not one of them. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Nephilim, these are men of old, men of renown. The Nephilim were hybrid offspring between the fallen angels and the daughters of man. That means the angels from heaven came down and copulated, had intimacy with the daughters of men, and they bore the seed of these fallen ones, and the offspring were born into a hybrid being called the Nephilim. Do you understand that? Amen. Praise God. And these beings had the knowledge of the heavens. They had the knowledge because their fathers were the angels of the fallen angels that fell from heaven. And some, there's so many different people that say, oh, that's not possible because the Bible says that angels are genderless. Yes, that's true. They're genderless in heaven. But when an angel comes to earth, they could take on different forms. The Bible says sometimes you may be entertaining an angel and may not even know it. I can tell you stories of angels that were female and angels that were male and angels that protected people and angels that guarded uh, 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 cliffs so that people wouldn't drive off cliffs. And, and I, I, I can tell you stories. And in the Word of God, we know it's true. Abraham met with three angels, right? And, and Lot met with angels and they ate and the men said we want to know those men 
We want to know them intimately. That means they were men. And if they had eaten dinner, then that means while they were on earth, they had a digestive system. And if they had a digestive system, that means they also had to expel whatever they ate. So that means they had the proper organs, if you will. Amen? I don't want to get too biological in here. Hallelujah. But I think one plus one makes two. Amen? I'm just saying. Hallelujah. But what happens is a lot of people think that this is a Mary Poppins uh, fairy tale, Mother Goose stuff. But there is evidence, there is bona fide evidence of giants that walked on earth in those days. And everywhere you go, the scientists will try to discredit. And they'll say, there's no such evidence. There's no such evidence. Liar, because I have a whole bunch of evidence I'm about to show you right now. Just so that you know, these are the bones that have been found all throughout earth. I can't read the tallest one, but it looks like 30-something, right? 38 or 36 feet. 36 feet. There is evidence of a skeleton that has been found 36 feet. And then it goes all the way down. The guy right at the beginning, letter A, that's a six-foot-tall man. Goliath was nine feet tall. I think Goliath would qualify under the letter D, if I'm not mistaken. And remember that before the flood, there were giants, and they ruled the earth. There were giants everywhere. And after the flood, because Noah's sons married the Canaanite women, so there was still seedlings left on planet earth. Because people say, well, how come there was giants afterwards? Why? Because Noah's sons married uh, Canaanite women, and they still had the seed. And that's why Goliath had four other brothers and cousins, and that's why David took five stones, because if he killed Goliath... And his cousin or Papo or Junebug wanted to jump in. He had a rag with some rocks for the extra giants. Amen. And you know that Joshua had to fight the giants. When he came in, the, the, the Joshua and Caleb, they said, we were as grasshoppers in their sight. But Joshua and Caleb said, yo, let's go take the land. The land flows with milk and honey. There's some big old grapes there the size of, of, of avocados. I'd like to eat a grape like that. Hallelujah. With no seeds. Praise God. But there, there were giants. Abraham fought giants. Moses fought giants. Joshua fought giants. They had to be eradicated from the face of the earth. But the giants were not as tall as those 36-foot tall people. Those were the men of old, the men of renown, the big giants. All right? But I'm going to show you some pictures. All right? Here are some proof that, that have been tried to be ripped off of, of the internet because it blows up the whole theory of evolution. It blows up everything. Smithsonian Institute has 12 skulls that have been found that are belonging to people 28 to 30 feet tall. But they don't have it on display because they're saying, oh, we don't have enough evidence. There's a missing link somewhere. When we find a missing link, then we'll put it on display. No, it's because you're lying to to the people. How many know we're being deceived? You better open your eyes. Here's some more pictures for the doubters. Praise God. There's another picture of a guy that was digging up his lawn. He was going to put a pool in his backyard and look at what he found. Amen. You've got people in China. You've got people in Russia. You've got people all over the world that are finding big giant skeletons. And then right away the army comes, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marine, the Goodwill, the Salvation Army, the United Hope. Hallelujah. All these people start coming in and getting the bones and hiding the bones. Okay? If you look at the comparison of the head, the size of the head to those people, you're going to see the length of that body. You're going to say, that belongs to somebody that's got to be 20 feet tall. 
You understand? Look, there was a guy, I think it was in Michigan, uh -uh, and he was digging in his backyard. And look at the size of the femur. The femur that belongs to a human being. That's a human bone. And the man next to it, the man with the beard, looks like Grizzly Adams. Some of y'all know who Grizzly Adams was. Hallelujah. Some of my friends. Hallelujah. Us old timers. We know Grizzly Adams. That used to be my show. But Grizzly Adams up there is standing next to a human femur that's bigger than his entire torso and head combined. That's just a femur of a bone. Amen? So, so when you think about it, even underwater, they're finding bones underwater. They're finding bones everywhere. Uh, the scientists, however, look at this. They don't talk about the Nephilim because it's biblical. They don't talk about giants, but what they do talk about is, is what the History Channel calls the Anunnaki. And we got pictures of the Anunnaki everywhere. And they say the Anunnaki were aliens from heaven. They were aliens that came from heaven and, and gave all the Egyptians the knowledge of the pyramids and the knowledge of, of, of the, the masonry and all the other crazy stuff that they're into. So this is a particular image that many of us has probably seen in our history class. But you got a person sitting on a throne, supposedly the Anunnaki alien, but this person, if he stood up to his feet, would be about 30 feet tall. And those little people, those are actual human beings that, that were under them uh, and under their lordship, if you will, okay? So, here's some more of the Anunnaki. Isn't it amazing that they have, uh, it appears to be four wings or possibly six wings? If you look at the wing covering his feet and it's shaped like a wing in the carving, it must, be, it must be six wings. If you go to the book of Ezekiel, they say the cherubim have six wings. Where did the Egyptians get that from? You understand? So where there giants in the land? Where there are uh, fallen angels in the land? Yes, there was. Amen. Were they aliens? No. Did they come in a spaceship? No. Michael kicked them out of heaven. That's what happened. And they fell on earth and tried to destroy the earth because this was the place that, that God's presence dwelt with man while, while Adam and Eve were on earth. It was disobedience that removed that from the land. Amen? But these are just some pictures. And now these Anunnaki, these giants, were wicked. Wicked. They were evil. These are demons. These are fallen angels. They were deceived by Lucifer. They were casted out and they were evil. These are the same ones that tried to build a tower to get back to heaven so that they could retake over heaven. How stupid. How ignorant. How foolish. Pride filled their heart, right? But the Bible says that God said, let us go down and confuse their speech for nothing they set out to do shall be impossible for them. That means even when you're wicked, if you are united, there is strength in power. And if the people of God can come together as one and put aside all these foolish arguments about theology, about God and about how to worship God and denominationalism, if we could foolishly get rid of all that foolishness and come together as one, the church will thrive. The church will thrive in power and the glory of God will be demonstrated all throughout the land. But we're too worried about winning an argument. Shame on the church. Completely wicked and evil. Raising up a wicked generation. God said, I got to destroy the world. 
I've got to destroy the world, and I've got to do it quickly, without remedy. I'm going to destroy everything, every man, every woman, every child, every beast, everything. But Noah was a just man. Noah was a perfect man. How did Noah succeed? We're talking about successful fathers. How did Noah succeed in such a difficult and evil time? I tell you what, if you pay attention today, because our days are just as wicked and grimy and dirty and, and fangoso, muddy, dirty, grimy. Our days are wicked. You know how grimy it is? Have you ever seen a, a, a short order cook with a, with a grill? And when they clean the grease that has been sitting there for three months and you take it out, you're like, oh, that's nasty. That's our world today. That's it. It's nasty grease. We need a new anointing. We need the oil of God. Hallelujah. Get rid of that old grease. Stop cooking with that stuff. Hallelujah. That was a terrible illustration, wasn't it? Hallelujah. Praise God. Today, we're going to discover how to be a godly father, how to be a successful father, even in the midst of wickedness, even in the midst of evil times. I pray to God that you pay attention today. Praise the Lord. Noah. Noah. The Bible says Noah walked with God. Men in this house, how many of you were walking with God? Let's start right there. Hallelujah. There were certain ingredients to Noah's salvation, and we have to begin. The Bible says that his spirit will not strive with man forever. Do you remember we read that? That means even in the midst of wickedness, God's spirit was still striving with man at the very beginning. Amen? That means the Holy Spirit was watching over Noah, was watching over his family. That's why God knew he was a just man, because the Spirit of God was watching over him in the midst of wickedness. That means if you are walking with God and you are in the faith, that means God's Spirit is also watching over you. And the same way the world was about to be destroyed, God spared Noah and his family. That means pretty soon this world is also going to be destroyed. And God is about to, put, to prepare you, to save you, to sanctify you, and spare your entire family. Glory to God. The question is, are you walking with God? Hallelujah. We cannot start anything. We cannot do anything without the Holy Spirit. That's a fact. Noah was a man who sought after God. Verse 8 says, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. That means long before the age of grace. Everybody's talking about grace, 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 grace. Long before the age of grace, Noah found grace with God. You got to get that. I don't know if you see that. Noah found grace with God. That means unmerited favor, undeserved favor. Noah found grace with God in the midst of wickedness. Noah came to the faith. Noah trusted God. Noah heard the word of the Lord and he acted upon it. Glory to God. Listen to what Hebrews says. Hebrews 11:7, the, the chapter of the heroes of faith. It says, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Mm, I got to read that again because I don't want you to miss this. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned. I'll stop there. Divinely warned. 
How many times have you heard Jesus is coming? How many times have you been warned? How many warnings have you heard? You hear warnings every week in this house, at least twice a week. You are warned on a regular basis. Some of you say, why can't pastor stop talking about the rapture? You know why? Because I'm warning you. Hallelujah. I'm commissioned by God to tell you the truth. Jesus is coming. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things, listen, not yet seen. Move with godly fear. Prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the whole world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Hallelujah. Do you have faith to believe in what you're hearing right now? Is your mind saying, stop listening, don't worry? Or are you saying, yes, I receive it, Pastor. Yes, I receive the word. Yes, that's for me. Let me get myself together. Do you trust God? How about this? Even when you can't see him. We say we trust God. We say he's our Lord. You are my Lord and my Savior. But then he says, don't go there and you do it anyway. Don't hang out with that hoodlum, but you do it anyway. You better let go of that floozy. She's no good. But you don't know. I'm going to change her. I got this. Don't worry, God. I got this. I know what I'm doing. Just step aside. Watch me work. Watch me do my thing. Because I'm Superman. Do you trust God even when you can't see him? Do you move with godly fear? Oh, the Lord said, I got, I got sorry, I can't go to, I can't do that. I can't go to this place. I can't do that. I, I fear God. I fear the Lord. I'm not going to be moved by that, by this, by that. Nothing's going to make me break my walk with God, my fellowship with God. Listen to the words of Jesus when he was talking to the doubter. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Hallelujah. How many believe even though they haven't seen anything yet? Glory to God. Noah's relationship with God was perfect. The Bible says he was a perfect man. Why? It wasn't because he was sinless. Don't think that was only one sinless man. That was Jesus Christ. Do you know why Joshua was perfect? It was because he was wholeheartedly committed to God. He was unblemished. That means he didn't intermingle with the culture, with the world, with the giants, with the demons, with the imps. He didn't try to adhere to the laws, the demonic laws of the land that said, you got to call me by my pronoun. He wasn't going there. He didn't care if you laughed at him. He didn't intermingle. He didn't take uh, 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 stuff. I'll just keep it there, not to offend people. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for grabbing my tongue. Thank you, Lord. Faithful God, mighty God. You won't put me to shame, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God said that Noah was a just man. Habakkuk 2.4 says, Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live 
by faith. Noah, perfect Noah, perfect man. Listen to some scriptures about God, how he blesses you when you do his will. Second Samuel says, God is my strength and my power, and he makes my way perfect. Hallelujah. Y'all ain't getting that one, huh? That was the weakest, amen. Did you just hear what the Word of God said? God is my strength. He makes my way perfect. When everybody says you're cray-cray, when everybody calls you names, God says, don't worry. To me, you're perfect to me. Your way is perfect because you follow my law. You follow me. And your way is made perfect because of me. And I'm going to give you strength to stay perfect. How about this? Psalm 18.32. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. That means when they're saying stupid things at your job. Oh, well, you can't work on Sunday because we need you here. What? Don't get me started. Yes, that made the message today. Hallelujah. It gets me up. It gets me tired when I got to deal with foolishness. If the Muslims can pray five times a day and you give them their right to pray and you have our Jewish brethren, the chosen people of God that don't work on Friday night and they don't work Saturday and you give them religious exemptions and you observe their right and you give them all the Jewish holidays. But a person of the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus, a son and daughter of the Most High God wants to come to church and you're going to try to force them to go to church? Shame on you. That's religious discrimination. You got a court case. Hallelujah. Start fighting for your rights. Do you know the Constitution of the United States protects your religious freedom? It protects your right to speak your mind. And guess what? When they try to throw this stupid thing that they do, uh, a separation of church and state, that's not in the Constitution. Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to a court case and somebody adopted that part of the letter and started saying it's part of the Constitution. Separation of church and state. Yo, separation of church and state. Read it. Show it to me in the Constitution. It's not there. Know your rights, people of God. Stop cowering just because somebody says something. Do your research. Get an education. Start reading. Hallelujah. You know why people get away with stuff? Because we don't read. We don't follow up. We don't do no research. And we just do what they say. Like sheep. Then we wonder why all these crazy things are happening. Can I get back to the message? Noah was a perfect man because he was just before God. His way, it wasn't that he was a sinner. Noah didn't want the best of both worlds like Lot and Lottie. Noah didn't teeter-totter on the seesaw of Christianity like many do. They're Christian on Sunday morning, but Monday through Friday, what? They're Sunday saints. But Monday through Friday, only God knows. You see, Noah walked with God. You know why he walked with God? Because he was walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, we need to know this. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Now, if you're wondering how to avoid temptation, drama llama ding-dongs, spiritual drought, the answer is walk in the Spirit. You know, when we hear the, the term, the lust of the flesh, why is it that we always think of sexual immorality when we're thinking about the lust of the flesh? Yes, lust is often used to describe sexual deviancy, impulses, and perversions, but lust of the flesh is a broader scope than just sexual depravity. The lust of the flesh is anxiety, depression, loneliness, fears, all these other different things. These are the lust of the flesh. And if you're walking in the Spirit, you won't uh, 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 give way to the lust of the flesh because the Spirit of God will be in you and will have lordship over all those things. If you're having trouble avoiding temptations and drama and all that other stuff, it might be because you are not in the Spirit. I must say something respectfully, but it's probably not going to feel good. Just turn your neighbor and say, don't worry, a spoonful of sugar make the medicine go down. So tell them, the only thing is, I don't got no sugar for you. Hallelujah. So if you got a candy, take it in now, because it's coming. Pop a candy, a Jolly Rancher, wa a watermelon one for me. If you have one, throw it up here. Hallelujah. How about this? Before you go into the medicine cabinet to take your pill, how about picking up the Word of God? I said it. Thank you for not throwing rocks at me. Before you grab the pill bottle, how about this? Grab the Word of God. I mean, seriously. If you eat the scroll, it's going to give strength to your body, to your flesh. The Word of God is going to produce life in your body. Don't be so quick. I'm not saying don't take the pill. Pastor's not there. I'm not saying that. The Bible also says the medicine is in the leaf. I'm not against medicine. But before you take your pill, take the gospel. Before you take your pill, open up the word and eat some gospel. Eat some scroll. It'll do the body good. Amen? It's better than a Flintstone tablet. It's better than a vitamin A through zinc. Amen? Read the Word. Get, in the, get the Word in you and see what God begins to do in your body. Whatever you eat comes out. Whatever you eat, right? Garbage in, garbage out. My aunt used to tell me in Sunday school, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you eat comes out. Whatever, whoever you hang with, the words that are spoken to you come out. If you got friends that are dropping F-bombs, this is why you're always talking to people and the F-bomb comes out. I go, oops. My bad. Oops. It's not your bad. It's because you're around the environment. You put yourself there, and it's come part of you now. That's why you have no control of profanity. Just saying. All right, you don't believe me. Check this out. What color is a flamingo? Eh, wrong. A flamingo is really white. 
and sometimes gray. They're gray at birth and they're white as adults. Do you know what changes their color to pink? When they eat the brine, when they eat the shrimp, and when they eat the salty water where they go and they eat, what that does is it does something to the pigmentation and the feathers and the color of the body. And as they gorge themselves on food, their body begins to change. Did you know that? Hallelujah. So you are what you eat. If you eat a chicken... If you eat some swine, I'm kidding. I got some swine in the oven right now. Hallelujah. You are what you eat. If you eat kisses, you're a kiss. All right, let me, let me move on. Hallelujah. Turn your neighbor and say, eat the scroll. Hallelujah. When you eat the scroll, you begin to walk in clarity. You begin to walk with spiritual nutrition, spiritual discernment. Your eyes are open. Your ears are open. Everything becomes spiritual. When you see somebody, you begin to think in the spirit. You begin to pray over the needs. You don't just walk and say, hi, how are you doing? Yes, God bless you. How are you doing? No, hallelujah. You're saying, hi, God bless you. But in your mind, you're saying, in the name of Jesus, I bind you, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. You devil, I see you, Satan. I bind you in the name of Jesus. You got nothing on me. I'm covered by the blood of the lamb. I'm washed. I'm blood brought. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah. And have a blessed day. God bless you. Take care. Peace out. This is Father God, I pray over their family right now, their children. I pray that the husband, the wife, they all come to Christ right now, Lord God, as they blaspheme you right in front of my face. How dare they blaspheme the name of God right in front of my face? You see, you start discerning. You're not offending people. And you're not becoming so super spiritual that you're hitting them with a Bible brick. You know, the word of God says this. You know, I heard you said that, sister. I heard what you said. And you don't know that that's a sin before God. You know, listen, that's why people don't want to come near you. The Bible says, let your conversation be seasoned with salt. Because if it's too salty, it's no good. And if it don't have enough salt, it's too bland and you got no power. It's got to be just right. Sabor. That's why the three Hebrew boys, because they were in prayer, because they had a, a, a mentor named Daniel that prayed three times a day, and they learned from Daniel, listen, we don't have to eat the king's food. We don't have to do the king's things. We just got to serve the Lord. And when the king decided to build a golden statue and said, if you don't bow down to this image, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And several hundred thousand Jews that all knew Jesus Christ that heard the word, they, they heard the miracles, they saw it. They were taken prison in captivity. And they said, you know what? Listen, this is a little scary. You see how hot that fire is? Listen, not for nothing, I'm just saying I'm just saying, I'm going to bow down, like, real quick right here. And then when I get up, like, I'm bowing down, but inside I'm standing up. Uh, you, know, you, know, you know how we justify ourselves? I'm bowing down right now because I'm just trying to obey the law. The Bible says obey the laws of the land. We justify, right? The Bible says obey the laws of the land. So I'm going to just bow down real quick while they play the national anthem. 
And then when it's all over, I'm going to stand up and say, God, forgive me. And just like that, I'm back. But Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego said, nah, man, we ain't going out like that. I ain't going out like no chump. I'm not going out like no punk. I know my God is able to serve me. But even if he doesn't save me, I'm still not bound down. It's better for me to obey God than to obey some crazy law that's going to make me turn my back on the one who gives me breath, on the one who feeds me, on the one who gives me life, the one who looks out for my family. No way can I turn my back on him now. If I die, I'm just going to be with him forever. They had clarity. Noah, he was intimate with God. He was intimate with God. He wasn't intimate with giants. He was intimate with God. And intimacy breeds fruit and breeds power. We were talking about this on Wednesday night. Listen, if you can, come on Wednesdays. We get in, man. Praise God. When we are intimate with our spouse, we have the power to produce children, right? Intimacy produces fruit and seed and power, right? Intimacy is the height of the human experience. It's beautiful. It's pure. It's sanctified by God under the covenant of marriage. But let me tell you something. You cannot have intimacy without communication, without communion, and without contact, the three C's. Without the three C's, you are impotent. I didn't say important. I said impotent. That means you lack the ability to reproduce. If you are not intimate with God, there is no fruit, there is no power, and there is no offspring of intimacy because of your time being with God. Y'all ain't hearing me, but that's okay. Some of y'all got that one. Some of y'all got that. You want intimacy with God, but you don't spend time with God. No communication, no communion, no contact. Some of you guys, the only bread from heaven, the only scroll you eat is right here on Sunday morning. And you write notes. It looks fancy. You got a notebook full of pages and, and writing, but do you open it up during the week? Do you go back and see if the pastor was telling you some jibber-jabber nonsense? Are you checking me out? Are you supposed to check me out? Because I'm a man. I'm flawed. You're supposed to check me out. Listen, are you not sitting under this teaching? So that means you're responsible for the teaching in your own household, in your own family. If you ain't checking me out, then you're not doing a good job. You got to verify that I'm correct. There's some of you that have said, Pastor, you was wrong there. Sorry. So, oh, you know what? You're right. Typo. I had a different scripture up there. I said, my bad. Forgot to change that. That. Thank you. I've been corrected. I got no problem being corrected. I try to make a joke out of it. So I was just testing you, but you passed the test. But I know I'm, I'm corrected. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Moses. When he was intimate with God, something changed. When Moses, the Bible says, when Moses spent time with God, his face shone like the sun. He came out. He was so bright. They said, dude, ah, you're burning me. Get a veil. Cover this, brother. 
When you spend time with God, you begin to radiate the presence of God off of you. You can't help but be in his presence and have the whole world affected by it. Some of you guys need to read Galatians 5 because it talks about the works of the flesh and the evidences of the fruit of the Spirit. And it says both of them are visible so that you know who you're dealing with. And you could always look at yourself as a mirror. The Word of God is like a mirror. And you could say, am I exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit myself? Or am I always flying off the handle, losing self-control? Somebody cuts you off. And you're like, what? Beep, 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 beep. And you're like, oh, Jesus. That came out of my mouth? I wonder what they're thinking of me because I got a fish in the back of my, my trunk. And ichthys. I just lost my testimony. But you forgive me, oh God, I'm back. You got to know who you're dealing with and you got to know yourself. Spend time with God yourself. Pursue God. Turn your neighbor and say, I know he's talking about you right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. God's character and his nature are the fruits of the Spirit. They're released through intimacy. God's power are the gifts of his Spirit. And they are also released through intimacy. God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. Nothing is impossible. Psalm 29, 11, it says, The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Noah was perfect. He was declared righteous by God because he walked with God. To walk with God, saints, is normal. Everything outside of that is abnormal. Are you washed by the blood? If you're washed by the blood, you're normal. Men, stop walking in the world and walk with God. Noah was consistent with his walk with God. Turn to your neighbor and say, fathers, be consistent. Hallelujah. I charge you today to lead by example. How about this? Honor your word. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is of the evil one. You know why it's important to honor your word? Because if your word is no good, then your name is no good. God honors his word above his name. For if his word is no good, then his name is no good. That means when you make a commitment with somebody, keep it. Honor your word. Noah was a witness. That means he was an evangelist. He was a preacher. Noah worked all day, rain or shine, and he preached at night. Let me start out by saying this. This is a good piece of advice for every man in this room. Get a job. That's free. That's a bonus. Get a job. Hallelujah. Support your family. Get off Xbox and stop eating Captain Crunch. Get a job. Stop playing video games. Grow up. Get a job. Become the man of God that God called you to be. And stop complaining that your wife ain't putting out. When your wife is out there working, supporting the family, because you're too busy playing video games. 
And they're going to come to my office and say, Pastor, my wife, man, I don't know. You know what? Your wife doesn't want to make love to her child, to her kid. Grow up. Be a man. Become. And watch you get action. You know, there's nothing that turns a woman on like somebody who's paying the bills. Taking care of business. Hallelujah. Honey, here's some groceries. Praise God. Honey, here, the rent is paid. Hallelujah. Guess where I'm taking you today, boo? Honey, look what I brought you. Oh, Hercules. 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 Hallelujah. You got to have a J-O-B if you want to be with me. Hallelujah. (laughs) Stop making excuses. Praise God. Noah was a witness of God. He worked all day. And as tired as he was, he went out and preached all night. He had one message. And he preached this message for a hundred and 20 years. You know what the message was? It's going to rain. It's going to rain. Get ready. It's going to rain. Noah's times, it was corruption every day. I don't have to go through it. Listen to what Second Peter said. Second Peter. And did not spare the ancient world, but save Noah. This is God. He did not spare the ancient world, but save Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood of the world of the un- on the ungodly. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He told his entire community every single day about their sin. Turn from your sin. Return to God. Live for him because there's going to be a big flood someday. He pointed them to the salvation of the Lord. You and your family can be saved. All you've got to do is turn your life over to Christ. Put your trust in him. And what did the people do? They laughed at him. Do you know for 120 years he preached and not one single convert, you're not hearing that. Do you know not one person got saved from the world? The only people who were saved was the members of his own household. And that was enough. Can you imagine how discouraging that must be? To go outside every day and preach, preach for 120 years, and no one comes to the church. No one listens to you. But for 120 years, he remained faithful. He remained consistent, even when they laughed at him. Ha, 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 look at this fool building an ark on dry land. What a moron. What a loser. What a moron. What a, what a goofball. But his family saw his faithfulness. His family saw his commitment to God. And because of his faith, they followed after him. Men of God, you've got to know that you've got great influence in your house. You've got great influence over your wife and over your children. I don't even know if you realize that. Do you know that your kids are watching you? Your wife 
is watching you. She's waiting for you to lead. Your friends, your neighbors, that they see you going to church every week, they watch you when you come back home. They want to see how you're going to react when you're discouraged, when people let you down, when your job fires you, when people mock you, when they laugh at you, when they call you names. They want to see what lesson are you going to teach to your family? Are you the type of man that will fight, that will have flight, or will have fright? Noah, he remained true in his heart. If God be for me, who can be against me? Noah was a witness for God. Never underestimate the power of your witness. Listen, Daniel, Daniel had a strong witness. He prayed three times a day. It was because of his witness that there was a sabotage. And many of you know the story, but Daniel, because of his prayers, he was sent to the lion's den. But he was not afraid because he knew. Why did he know? How did he know? Because he prayed three times a day. It was for that reason he was thrown into prison into a den of hungry lions. And Daniel still had clarity. Go ahead, throw me in the, in the pit. Whatever. Do what you got to do. But I'm still not going to stop praying. The Bible says, as was his custom. Do you know that right after he heard the law that was passed, that you have to pray only to the king, if you pray to any other god, you're going to be thrown into the den of lions. What did he do? And he began to go, right? He began to pray, as was his custom. He knew he was going to go to prison. But listen, this is why it's so important to not damage or destroy your testimony. Because even the pagan king, I want you to hear what I'm saying. The king who was not a Christian, he was a pagan but he loved Daniel. He respected Daniel because Daniel served his God in spirit and in truth. And even because of his great witness, the king, the pagan king, he said, the God you pray to, he will deliver you from the mouth of the lions. Do you know what it's like to have a pagan king saying, dude, listen, one thing I know, I don't know the God you serve, but the God that you pray to, yo, I know you and him are just like this. And I know that if, even if I throw you in there, your God, not my God, the God you pray to, he's going to save you from the mouth of the lions. And then the Bible says that the king went back and he began to be sorrowful. Oh, my God, what have I done? I threw an innocent man into a cage with lions, and he started to toss and turn all night. The Bible said he fasted. The Bible said he did not allow the musicians to come into his room to, to, to pray, uh, to play, we are the world. We are No, no music for me tonight. No music. No lullabies. I need to be in, in some kind of a mindset because I can't believe I just did this. The Bible says early in the morning, early in the morning, the king went to the cage early in the morning. Hallelujah. Listen. Early in the morning, verse 20 of Daniel 6. He says, Daniel servant of the living God has your God whom you serve continually be able to deliver you from the lions and Daniel looked up and said dude your highness your royalty 
stop if thou tripping if. I'm cool. The Lord sent an angel to close the mouths of these roaring lions. And I'm here alive because the Lord has saw that I did not lie. The Lord had found me righteous. Hey, glory to God. Oh, king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they do not hurt me because I was found innocent. Oh, king, I have done no wrong before you. Daniel was condemned by man but saved in righteousness by God. And just so that you know, the very people that plot against you, the Bible says those that put those laws into place, the king said, I know what I'm going to do. Bring me those dudes. Bring, bring them all to me, those, those lawmakers. And bring, listen, and bring me their wives, their sons, and their daughters. Bring me their, their cell phone, their Xbox, the laptop. Bring it all. And the Bible says they were thrown into the lion's den, the whole bunch of them. And check this out. It's there. This, the guys love this part. The women don't like this part, but guys love it. The, the lions ripped the bodies in pieces before they even hit the ground. They were torn. Their flesh was ripped up and they were devoured before the bones even hit the ground. One, two, three. See, the guys love that stuff. I got to move quickly. I talk a lot. I get it. Hallelujah. As in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot, and in the days of Elijah, so shall the end be. This is why it's so important because a lot of people hear this story. They don't understand the depth of it. In Genesis 1, we read that there is a firmament on the earth in those days. There was a firmament. What that means is there was water above the earth and water below the earth. That means the whole earth was covered in water. And the sun and the moon and all that were blocked by the firmament. That means the sun rays didn't really pierce through. There was light, but there were no direct rays. I'll tell you why in a minute. Because the people on earth, they never saw rain. It had never rained. So when Noah said, it's going to rain, it's going to rain, they were like, moron, we don't know what you're talking about. There's never been rain. Water coming from the sky? Dude, you're off your rocker. Get back on your meds. You're cray-cray. They never seen rain. You understand? Because the Bible says there was a firmament. I am of the opinion, again, it's not in the Word, but this is my opinion, based on Scripture, based on the knowledge of the Word, that dinosaurs roamed the earth along with man during that time. And I believe, you know what killed off the dinosaurs, in my humble opinion? It was when the sun was now released in full rays, right? Because before the firmament, the sun was hidden behind all the, the firmament. But in order for you to have a rainbow, there has to be mist and there has to be sunlight. The first time we see a rainbow in Scripture, is when the sun pierced through the mist and God put a rainbow in the sky as a promise to man. And I believe that the hides of the dinosaurs were not able to take the rays and that's probably what wiped them out in addition to the flood itself. Amen? But that's just me. But the firmament... They didn't see the rain. So when, when God told Noah that he was going to destroy the earth, listen, even Noah didn't see the rain. 
Do you know what kind of faith it must have took for Noah to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to build this giant boat in the middle of Kansas. Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. In the middle of nowhere, I'm going to build a boat and you're going to send rain. Do you know how much faith it took for him to do that? He didn't see the rain. But he did what God told him to do, even not seeing anything. And for 120 years, he worked. Everybody mocked him. They laughed at him. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. And his sons are chopping down trees and they're building. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. They're gathering pitch. They're building cages, three levels. And then the animals start going in two by two. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. They kept mocking him and scoffing him, calling him names, until Noah and his whole family entered into the ark. The Bible says, come into the ark, you and your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Let me tell you, when you are a child of God, even when God is going to wipe out the earth, even when there's chaos everywhere, God will say, because you are righteous, because you've been following my word, I'm going to spare you. I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial. Revelations 3.10, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial that falls upon the earth. Listen. Verse 7, so Noah and his family went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Hallelujah. When the rains came down for the very first time in history, hallelujah, the people now understood, oh my God, he wasn't crazy. Say this out loud with me, church. Just because you haven't seen it before, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let me tell you something. Have you ever seen the rapture? Have you ever seen people flying into heaven? Sounds a little cuckoo, right? Sounds a little crazy, right? Have you ever seen somebody harpazoed? Of course not. We haven't seen it, but the Bible says it's going to happen. Hallelujah. He's giving us warnings. And it's funny because we know Elijah and Enoch we know that both of them went into heaven without dying. The Bible says Enoch walked right into heaven, right? And he was spared from death. And we know Elijah was taken in the flesh by a chariot of fire and was taken into heaven. And the Bible says in the tribulation, which takes place after the rapture, Enoch and Elijah, the two prophets of God, are going to come back to earth and they're going to do signs and wonders and they're going to be murdered and three days later they're going to rise again and everyone will be put to death one day we all have to die sooner or later but god has them spared that's the sermon for another day but we we know that that they have been put into heaven but they're coming back so why is it so difficult to believe when the bible says that god is going to Harpazo his people. He's going to catch them up, translate them. Why is it so hard to believe? What happens is people start mocking. And that's part of the prophecy too. Knowing this, 2 Peter 3, 3 through 7. Listen, because this has to tie with what we're talking about today. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this, 
they willfully forget that the word of God of the heavens that were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, firmament, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word, the same God that destroyed Noah's people back then, is the same God saying this now, now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the judgment, the day of judgment and perdition of godly men. This is the same word God gave back then to Moses, uh, to, Noah, to Noah, excuse me, is the same word that God is giving us today. He's saying repent and come into the ark of safety. What is the ark of safety? The presence of God. He says, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me now and let me spare you. I close, not, not yet. Hallelujah. This is my first closing. Praise God. Noah won his entire family. Noah was not an absentee father. This is important because this is the curse of our day, the plague of our day. Fathers are not around. He didn't reach the world from his preaching, but he became a father of the world because of his faith. His own family were converts of his own preaching. Noah may not have reached the masses, but he reached his family. He was an amazing practicer of what he preached. Noah may have not been a great financier, but he was a great father. What a day it must have been. After all the rains came down, and the whole earth was destroyed. Every creature on earth was destroyed. And they're looking out on the deck of the boat. And they're in amazement. And they must have felt, wow, my dad was right all along. Imagine how it must have felt. What an incredible thought it must have been to know that the entire world had died, but they were spared and kept alive in the very ark of God, that God himself closed the door, and that they were chosen to repopulate the earth. God is faithful. He will not withhold from those who are upright. Glory to God. Fathers, the days that we're in are evil. That's a fact. We are currently in those days now. But there is hope. Glory to God. God's grace is sufficient for you today as it was for Noah and his family back then. I tell you this. This is an awesome fact. Even though, I want you to hear this, even though our days are in fact evil, Get ready. This is exciting. This is the greatest time on planet Earth to be a Christian. I'm telling you, you're about to see some dynamite, wonderful, powerful moves of God. Do you know why? Because in the Word of God, every single great story, great event happened during times of great evil, of great wickedness, of great distress, of great peril. And it was in those moments where God's power revealed so greatly to the whole world. It was during those times that God rose up the highest. And I'm telling you, we're in. We're due for a great deliverance. We're due for a great miracle. We're going to see it. You're living in the best time ever. Hallelujah. But mighty men of God, mighty men of action, we've got to lead by example. One, two, three. Don't tell your kids to do as you say, but not as you do. That's lame. I'm going to say this, if you miss church, the day of the Lord, I'm saying it because I'm not scared. If you miss church, 
the day of the Lord, which God says to keep it holy, to follow your own pursuits, your own agenda, and you put church on the back burner at least once a week, the Bible says keep that day holy for me. But if that day is not enough and you got to do your own pursuits, you know what you're teaching your kids? That church, God, serving the Lord is not necessarily the most important thing. But following your own pursuits, that's important. God could be put on the back burner so you could go and do your thing. That's what you're teaching your family. You're not teaching them that you really are the man of God, the woman of God that you claim to be. I know it's getting quiet in here. Hallelujah. Did not Pastor Shadrach last week gave a prophetic word from this altar? He said, there are those that pretend to be godly, but, out, but they're not. They put up a front, but they're not. I hope that ain't you. Praise God. Listen, my whole family, they know, don't call me on Sunday. Don't do no baby dedications. Don't do no baby parties. I love my grandbabies. You know me. They own me. They got me wrapped around their little finger. But I ain't going to no party on a Sunday. Don't come to my house on a Sunday because the door will be locked. If I could take my dog here, my dog would be here. But I'll tell you what, if you happen to be sleeping over my house, guess what? You're coming to church. I ain't leaving nobody in my house. On Sunday, we go to church. If you don't want to go to church, peace out. Go home. Deuces. But if you're in my house, I don't care if you're saved, if you're not saved, if you're young, if you're old. I don't care who you serve. In my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Nobody stays home on Sunday. Boom. You see, we could fool each other, but we can't fool the Lord. God sees the real intent of our heart. And if we're supposed to lead by example, you men of God, I'm talking to the men here, you should be the first one out of bed. You should be the first one. Get out of bed. Let's go. It's time for church. Brush your teeth. Hallelujah. Grab your socks. Get your pants on. Let's go. Praise God. I don't want to be late. You know how the pastor is when we walk in late. I don't want to mess up here. Let's go. Let's go. Get it together. Or, or like Pastor Richie. Arr, arr, arr. My wife says, don't do that. I sound like a walrus. But Pastor Richie. And Pastor Richie's. Arr, 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 right. Give me a couple of them, Pastor. Come on. Yeah, there, there you go. That's how you should be in the house. Resilience. The word resilience. You know what that word means? This means when you have failed, when you have done poorly, when you have led poorly, that means you could get back up and go, you know what, my bad, but that ain't going to be me no more. That means resilience is the ability to recover from great difficulty quickly, to get back into place. That means to be elastic, elasticity. That means to be stretched. Fathers, be resilient. Be accountable to God and your family. Maintain what you have obtained. To much is given, much is required. Manage your household well. Be a hearer of the word and a doer of the word. Preserve God's presence in your own home. Let your kids see you praying. Let them see you worshiping. Let them see you adore God. How about this? Monitor what comes in your house and what goes out of your house. 
Stop letting your kids watch some Disney demonic programs. Learn to submit yourself to the will of God. Fall in love with Jesus. If you can't learn how to submit to God, how is your wife going to learn how to submit to you? If you can't hold up holy hands before God, you're never going to be able to hold up your wife either. Your wife will learn submission as you submit to God. You want your wife to be submissive and to, to obey and all that, but you ain't submissive to God, and you ain't obeying God. You got to lead by example. I know I ain't getting no amens. All right, husbands, I got you. I got you. Watch this. I got you. I got you. Husbands, love your wives. Ephesians 5, listen. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to her himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his wife loves himself. Men, love your wife. That isn't easy for men. That's why God has to tell us to love our wife. Men would rather be respected. We don't mind being loved. Loved is cool. But respected is better. Amen? Can I get an amen on that, men of God? Right? That's why we don't like the love songs. We don't like love movies. We don't like all that fuzzy, duzzy stuff. Every once in a while, you might get us a date night flick if it's your birthday or anniversary. We might, we might torture ourselves for one night. But if it don't have blood or guts or something, we, don't, we ain't moved. But men, you got to learn how to love your woman. And you know how you do it? By loving God. When you love God, then you learn what love is. Because you receive love. And then you get to learn how to love your wife. And then your wife goes, oh my God, he's so good. He's my All right, praise God. Wives, I'm on you now. Praise God. One, two, three. Ah, oh, that was lame. Hallelujah. This one's for you, women. One, two, three. There you go. I'm going to see if you say as one after I read this verse up here. Hallelujah. Let's see if you keep that same spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Gentlemen, here it comes. Wives, submit to your own husband as unto the Lord. One, two, three. Hey, hallelujah. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. I'm not going too deep here because I'm sure the women are going to get alignment and authority this weekend. Hallelujah. But the woman came from the man, not the man came from the woman. Women are told to submit to their husband. Why? It is super easy for a woman to love her husband. Love comes automatic. It's autopilot for a woman. That's why God doesn't have to tell a woman to love their husband because if they're receiving love, they know how to give love back. They're, they're experts. But God said, women, submit to your husband. Ah, now that is where the conflict happens. It's hard for a woman to submit to a man. That's why they need to learn submission. But they can only learn true submission by watching their husband submit to the lordship of Christ. 
That's the truth, men. It's on us. You want your wife to, to submit to you, you submit to God. That's how it works. There's no other way. That's the order of the home. I'm going to give you a couple of quotes. Fathers, manhood and Christlikeness are synonymous. That means they are the same. That's from Dr. Ed Cole. Here are a couple others. To be a male is a matter of birth, but to be a man is a matter of choice. You have to choose to be a man. Here's the last one. You are only qualified to lead to the degree you are willing to serve. And here's a quote from Jesus. But he that wants to be greatest among you shall be your servant. Here's my second closing. Where's Stefan? Come on up, young man. We know that when the piano player comes up, we're almost done. I know I could be a little long-winded, hallelujah, especially on a day like today. But I tell you what, it reminds me of a story. <laughs> a pastor, not don't play yet, brother. Hang in, hang in there, brother. Hallelujah. This is my second closing. You got to wait to the third closing. <laughs> Hallelujah. A pastor went up to the pulpit to preach one Sunday morning, and he had a Band-Aid on his chin. And he apologized to the congregation about the Band-Aid and said, I'm so sorry about the Band-Aid on my face, but I cut my chin this morning thinking about my sermon today. And right then a voice from the back of the room called out and said, Next time! Why not think about your chin and cut your sermon? I'll take that. Hallelujah. It reminds me of another story. There was a pastor who had to go to the dentist to have all his teeth pulled out to set in his new dentures. And he went to church the following Sunday and preached for about 10 minutes. The next Sunday, he preached for about 20 minutes. But on the third Sunday, he preached for an hour and a half. When some of the members asked him about the variations of time, he said, well, the first Sunday, my gums were so sore it hurt to talk. The second Sunday, my dentures were hurting quite a bit. The third Sunday, I accidentally grabbed my wife's dentures and I couldn't stop talking. Hallelujah. All right. Three minutes and I'm done. Amen? Fathers, I don't get the big piece of chicken for that one. Hallelujah. Fathers, may God enable you to win. To win your entire household. Not to win the world. Who cares what you win out there? To win your household, your family to Christ. Fathers, Walk with Christ. Walk with his spirit. Remain consistent to the call. Fathers, let your witness for Christ in your home be evident and in the world. The real deal. Do it. Live it. Be it. Fathers, lead by example. And allow your family and others to follow you as you follow Christ. Let us all work together. Iron sharpening iron. I am my brother's keeper. Let us become accountable to God and each other. Let's stop making excuses to justify or rationalize our failures. Instead, let's own it. Grow up. Let's change. Let us become successful fathers. I end with these last verses. Psalm 89, 
Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name they rejoice all day long. And in your righteousness they are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength. And in your favor our horn is exalted. 22.4 Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. 16.1 Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. And lastly, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Glory to God. Happy Father's Day to every man in this room. God bless you. Amen. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.